<laughs> Alright, so who's doing the joke? Yep, I'll be doing it. The old Ingalls. <laughs> Fire it up, son. Fire it up. Ready, mate. Go for it. Alright, so there's two women that are hiking in the woods. After an hour or so, they come to a stream. Uh, unable to cross, they decide to walk along the stream and look for a narrower place to cross. Fortunately, they came to an old bridge uh, which crossed the stream and deciding it was safe enough to cross, uh, they proceeded across the bridge. Halfway across, one woman stops and says to the other, I've always wanted to be like the guys and pee off a bridge. The other woman looks around and says, well, I don't see anyone around, so now's your chance. So the first woman drops her hiking shorts and backs over to the this other side of the bridge. <laughs> As she begins to pee, she looks over her shoulder. Holy shit, she exclaims, I just pissed in a canoe. <laughs> Alarmed, the second woman hurries over and peeks down at the stream below and says, calm down, that wasn't a canoe, that was just your reflection. The Game on AUS podcast, episode 70. Ah, oh, shit. Six? Is it 76? Is yeah. It epi- is it episode Soldier 76? Oh. Oh, it is, actually. The big 76er. Holy shit. Episode 76. Guys, we made it past the quarter quell. <laughs> the quarter quell. I like it. <laughs> um, my name's Pete. And tonight, I'm joined by a couple of absolute legends who you would have heard on the podcast last week, filling in for the great, the one, the only, Dan Vandermeer, Dangerous Dan the Internet, um, who will be back next week because he's uh, actually on a flight back from the US as we speak. But um, joined tonight by the great Johnny Garbs Garvin. Hello. How are you guys? How's things tonight? Oh, just bloody sensational. And uh, Chris <laughs> Infernox, English, ladies and gentlemen. You... Hey, um, lads, you know what we're going to do? Talk about bloody gaming. Oh, fuck, I couldn't agree <laughs> He's more, mate. straight into it. <laughs> he is fired up. For the next hour, we're going to bloody talk about gaming because we bloody love gaming. You know what else we bloody love? Gaming. Bloody gaming. Bloody gaming. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, now, guys, thank you so much for jumping on. And I must say, last minute as well um, for this week's episode of the podcast. Really appreciate your time once again. That's all right, mate. Anytime. It's all good, mate. It's all fun. Before we get stuck into it, uh, a few of the usuals. A big thanks to PLE Computers, our tech sponsor, um, and to the to the mammoth amount of great people who have jumped on board for the podcast. Um, you know, as we've been building the relationships, Nintendo, PlayStation, uh, we just got Xbox across the line as well. So uh, we're going to be your home for Xbox content also, and that includes reviews for games and everything. Speaking of reviews... God of War is out. Oh my goodness. Um, The one, the only, Nick Sticks Holland has actually dropped his God of War review and it is a passionate, passionate review from a passionate, passionate man. Damn straight. If you want to check it out, head to GameOnAUS.com and also check out the Facebook page. And uh, this weekend, big weekend, considering the Facebook page while we're just talking about it and the closed group, God Mode. It's our first God Mode night, guys. Yes. Hoorah. It's going to be a good one. It is going to be a good one. 
Um, for those of you that live here in Perth, we've had a few around the country who are game on AUS Tragics and saying that uh, they want their own God Mode Knights. Well, I'm sorry, you're going to have to fucking sort your own ones out because I can't fly over there yet. Um, but we'll get there at some point, hopefully, when we're uh, making a million bucks, which would be nice. Um, but this weekend's going to be an absolute ripper. So Southlands Boulevard, for those of you who live in Perth, uh, RSVP's gone, so we've got the numbers locked away. And yep. Chriso, um, yeah. little special announcement that we haven't actually told anyone just yet. And this is all before we get to the top three bits of news that gamers need to hear this week. So this is news before the news, um, so it's big news. And a few people are actually watching us record this right now on the Game on AUS Facebook page and twitch.tv forward slash Game on AUS, meaning that they're going to see this for the first time, a few of them that are actually coming on Saturday. And that is, we're going to be sitting in special seats for our Avengers Infinity War screening, yes, aren't we? Yes, we are. Oh, yes. Going to be sitting in style in recliner seats. Oh. Yes. <laughs> going to be brilliant. Amazing. And then um we're going to do dinner afterwards, so ten past four for the movie, and then afterwards we're uh, catching up for a big Chinese dinner. We're all getting around a lazy Susan, all sixteen of us that are coming, and uh that is going to be absolutely bloody fantastic. Because I thought we'll do the dinner afterwards because we're gonna have to chat about the movie, aren't we? Oh, oh absolutely. I mean yeah, most definitely. Good reviews coming in so far that it's, yeah, it's an absolute ripper. So yeah. I'm looking forward to talking my head off about it to everyone. So Well, there's a lot of people it. that I'm hearing. I had a few mates of mine who have gone to see it today. Um, on Anzac Day of all days, it opened. Because uh, we are recording this podcast on today, the 25th of April. But yes, Anzac yeah. Day. And um, a lot of people saying that it's a religious experience. You know, especially if you are a uh, a mad fan of the Avengers and Marvel movies in general. So something to very much look forward to. Interesting. All right, guys, let's move on. Let's get on with it. The reason why people come to this podcast in the first place, and that is to find out the top three things that gamers need to hear this week. And the first thing that gamers need to hear this week, absolutely, is that Destiny's brand new DLC is on its way. Yep. And we have seen a little bit about it. Now, over the last couple of days, the trailer has dropped, and I've got to admit, it looks pretty schmick. Have you guys seen the trailer? I have indeed. Yeah, yeah I'm, very cool. I'm pretty excited, actually, to be honest. All right, well, let's let's before we delve into exactly what we've seen come out of Bungie and their co-developer, uh, Vicarious Visions, actually, yep. for this second um, DLC for Destiny 2, let's get your general overall feeling. Uh, Garbs, we'll start with you. How are you feeling leading into the next Destiny DLC? Um, to be honest, I'm a bit nervous because <laughs> Destiny 2 had such a great uh, possibility is probably the best word I could use for it. Um, you know, you look at what happened in Destiny 1, there was a lot of stuff ups and it eventually got there, but even then it was still sort of lacking and I thought, well, Destiny 2, brand new opportunity to get in there, make a fantastic game. It's got a massive open you know, you could do anything. And, I mean, you and I have played a hell of a lot of it, Pete, and sort of like, I don't think I've touched it for months. Um, so when I... And what was the last one? The uh, Osiris. Um, that didn't really Curse impress of Osiris, me a great deal. Yeah. Curse of Osiris, yeah. That mm. didn't really... It didn't really get me pumped. I sort of looked at it more as a grind. Um, and just, yeah, just didn't... In, I thought they'd have a lot more into it. So I'm really hoping this new one 
gives you that extra step, that extra lot of things to do instead of um, just one little thing and maybe get a couple of weapons and that's it. You know, I'm hoping it gives you 10 times more. Um, I hope it really blows us our socks off because that's what will get me back into playing Destiny. Um, but if it sort of doesn't capture me in that first little bit, I'm not interested. Um, too many other games out there to take my interest. So, yeah, that's my two cents at the moment. What about you, Chris? Eh? Oh, I'm getting that itch. Like, I, like John said, I, we haven't played for a while um, and I've always looked in my... Battle.net launcher, the Destiny icon. I click it and I'm like, nah, nah. But now, the, <laughs> now this this trailer dropped and I'm like, oh, 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 hang on, this looks a little sexy. So uh, now I'm looking at that button going, mm, May eight, maybe maybe I'll do it again. Mm, yeah, that's but how we, I feel had, about um, yeah, mas- masturbation sometimes. <laughs> that you know, body like button. I'm, yeah, I look at that button. I think to myself, "Am I gonna? Nah, I can't. I can't do it. I'm not gonna do it." And then you know what? Every now and again, you just get the itch, and <laughs> you just get into it. You just hope to Christ that come the end of it, you're satisfied. Well, very true. With um, but... if uh, if if the first DLC was a go, if it was a um, a bash of the old sausage. It's not necessarily coming off the back of it satisfied. So, yeah, hopefully yeah, this mean, one's a little different. Yeah, That's I mean, I'm looking at looking at what's what's being released in their uh, development roadmap. They've got seasonal crucible rankings. I don't really play much PvP, but I'm sure there's people out there. Private matches, uh, vault space increase, multi emotes, exotic weapon masterworks, seasonal vendor progression, exotic weapon sandbox changes, heroic strike modifiers, and nightfall challenge cards. So just off that, I'm not. That doesn't really float my boat. But again, like like we talked about last week, um, the visuals of, of the advertising of a game really, that's what sells it to me. So when I watched that trailer, I think I watched it this morning actually. I was like, hmm, May eight. Yep, I'm, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna give it a go. Like I've got I've already bought the season pass and everything back at release. So I'm gonna log yeah, in and have so a crack. Yeah. But is it Chris? Is it just hype train? Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, we're yeah. suckers for it. I mean, yeah. I think we're talking just before about you know, like Mass Effect Andromeda and, and how that was built up. And I mean, I mm. bought the big pack, and I don't know if you can see, but up there I got this cool little bloody buggy. But you know, like you know how it is. You get a good trailer and you get so pumped, but then when you come to play the game, you're like, yeah, that was just totally disappointing. Um, so many games do that. So is that what it? Do you think it will happen, or do you actually think it's got legs and it's going to give us a really good experience? I'm hoping the latter, but if you look at um, Destiny 1 and their path to their expansions, it wasn't really till the third or the fourth expansion that it really hit its stride, and it's probably what the game should have been with, at release. Yep. So, and, and then looking at Destiny 2, it is a little disappointing that you know we're, we're almost at full cycle going through. This is expansion number two. If it doesn't you know, it doesn't wow us and doesn't get us back what will and how long it's going to take and how many more DLC will it take to get us back. Well, I almost feel like this is their last chance. Yeah. You know, like, and I'm not saying that mm. as in, as in that's a threat. I'm saying that as in, that's my general feeling from the community and that's the vibe that I give myself as well because like you mentioned earlier, Garbs, with regards to the first DLC that came out, mm. it wasn't really much chop. There was... A little bit there, but again, it felt very repetitive. There wasn't a lot of depth to the amount of content that was in there. Um, no, that's right. I mean, really, when you think about it, that the the Osiris part of the map, um, 
you sort of get in there and there's not really much to explore. There's not really much to do. There's there's it's just the same shit over and over again. Which, to be honest with you, I mean that's destiny in a nutshell. Destiny is the you look up grind in the in the dictionary. And <laughs> there's a picture. Destiny. Of the, there's the destiny logo right there. Right, right there. Right. Um, so, you know, that's to be expected to a certain point. Um, but the this this second DLC has to offer a lot, whether it be changes, whether it be extra content, um, just something to keep us invested yeah. in coming back. Because it's not like it 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 was around about that time that the first Destiny came out, where you probably had six to eight months of consistent time where there was there wasn't really anything else to play. Yeah, like, yeah, sure, sure. There were games out and stuff like that, but Destiny changed the way that people were playing games. You know, they brought in the raid system, and they finally gave console players an opportunity to do something that PC players with World of Warcraft and stuff had been doing for quite some time. And that's yeah. where they sort of got their opportunity from. You know, so I think that took them over the line a fair bit. However, with Destiny Two, here we are, and I mean, we've talked about it so many times in the podcast over the past 18 months, that we live in this golden age of gaming where there is, if if this game that you're playing at the moment doesn't particularly grab you, there's, yep. you turn to your left and there's a pile there just waiting to be played. You know, so, um, yeah, I think, I think, I'm hoping that they've really pulled their finger out of their ass. Because um, I tell you what, I think the only reason why I reckon I'll be getting this DLC, honest to God, is because I bought the season pass. That's like, right. You know, yeah, if, I'm the same. Like it's um it's there, it's gonna gonna drop in. I might as well have a crack at it. But as you said, Pete, you know, if it doesn't capture me, I've got a whole bunch of games to play. You know mm. what I mean? Like I'm not yeah, I'm not gonna be bored. I mean, especially <laughs> shit, as I said, I'm I'm getting a PS four next week. Um so I can easily just go, Oh well, Destiny's not entertaining me, I'll go find something else and there's plenty out there. So I really hope it, it does give, you know, especially a Destiny fan base, you know, something that they've wanted in this game for a long time and um, hopefully attract new players back. Because, um, I mean, at the end of the day, it's I love it. It's just such a dynamic game. Like, you know, you're jumping around, you're doing all the things, but it's just the content is just lagging severely. And even, yeah, just the repetitiveness is just, yeah, it gets to you after a while and you just go, no, can't be bothered. Can we just investigate that for a moment, right? The content is lacking. You know, when you when you really break it down, there's a lot of content in the game. Like, there's a lot of places to go. There's a lot of things to shoot. There's a lot of story going on there. There's a lot of guns mm. to, to use and weapons. And I don't know what... But we've all got this feeling, right? That that it's lacking in content. Now, Yeah. I, I just... I'm trying to figure out why we have that feeling that it's lacking in content. Is it is it the repetitive nature of the game? Is it that we're still a little bit jaded, I guess, from... Um, how much of a grind the first Destiny felt. I mean, it just... It, sometimes I almost feel like it gets a little bit of an unfair rub, right? Um, because yeah. there's a lot of work that's gone into that game, but it, it does. Like There is this consistent feeling that there's just not enough content there. Or is it the fact that the content isn't varied enough? Um, I think it's not varied enough. Like I mean, even just the way they implemented it, I think it's... Yeah, it just left a bad taste, really. I mean, I thought the um, exotic weapons, I mean, how easy was it to get the exotic weapons? I mean, that mm. to me is something that you go, I'm going to work my ass off to get this cool exotic weapon that maybe one in 100 players has or 100 
one in 500, you know. But it just seemed like, oh, yeah, do a mission and, oh, shit, I've got an exotic engram. Let's go and pop it open. Oh, look, I've got one of the best guns in the game. You know, there's no challenge. There's no, yeah, there's no sense of achievement. I don't, I don't think, I think it's just like, oh, yeah, play, play, shoot, shoot, and that's it. But if they actually made it a challenge, because, I mean, I'm big on that. I, I don't like a game that, that's easy, you know. That's why I'm against the whole pay-to-win loot boxes and all that crap. Mm. Um, so yeah, the challenge, the challenge thing is an interesting one because that again is another discussion. You know, what exactly constitute a challenge? How do you get that right? Because the grind itself is a very fine balance. Because you could argue that you know, um, in the first Destiny, the grind through um, Oryx and those particular latter stage raids from DLCs that were released way down the track. You know, yeah. they were. It was very, very challenging to get the exotics and the high level raid drops and stuff like that. But that was a really piss poor kind of challenge because it just it was a grind that didn't feel like it was rewarding you for effort. Yeah, yeah. you know, that's right. And I reckon, um, um, like a big thing for me uh, as a long time massively multiplayer online role playing game player. Yeah, big um, time. I'm into leveling. And when I get to end game in a in a in a game, for me, I feel I've finished a game. Like I know there's months and years worth of grinding ahead with achievements and other things, but for me, mentally, when I hit the max level of a game, so let's say when WoW first came out, the max level was 50. So yep. I smashed it hard, played WoW till I got to level level 50, and made a new character, got that to level 50. With uh, Destiny, you know, max level 20, and then Curse of Osiris level 25. So I hit max level 20 in, in Destiny Vanilla. Um, and then, you know, I, I enjoyed playing, you know, playing with you guys and grouping and doing the dungeons, getting my light level up. But mentally for me, I was still level 20. Yeah. And then when Curse of Osiris dropped and it went to level 25, I smashed the game again purely to get from level 20 to level 25. Mm-hmm. And then then the grind comes in again. So for me, it's men- I, I don't know if it's mental or what, but I feel... Like if they don't let if the, if the level cap doesn't raise with an expansion, for me personally, I don't have a incentive to get in there to raise my light level because yeah. I'm never going to be a hardcore raider and I, I'm not even as high as you guys. So um, I feel I'm behind. I'm left behind by my own devices because you know that mental gap of I'm level 25. I've hit my max and then you know I'm not not much of a grinder. Yeah, I mean that's true. I mean the raid system they had well they've got in Destiny is. I oh, know it's just not solid. Do you know what I mean? Like you look at, um, I mean, look at World of Warcraft. I mean, that's one of those games where you can be whatever you want. Really, you could be a hardcore raider, you can be a profession, whatever. Um, yeah. But with the raid, I found, I mean, the times I did it with you and the Flag Test boys, it, uh, Pete, it was. I mean, I love the experience, but I still sort of once you finished it, you sort of went, ah, is that is that it? Like you know, there was nothing. For the time that you put into it, I mean, because that was, a, I mean, we were in there for quite a few hours and, yeah, you know, yeah. you, you put that into like a WoW current raid, you, you're always getting drops after every boss or generally you, you get something after a boss. Whereas this one, you're like, eh, I'm not getting shit, you know, I'm not getting that weapon that gets me over that light level that I want to get to. Um, so I think they really needed to spice that up a bit more. Um, but I don't mind a grind. I mean, shit, I've been playing WoW since, World of Warcraft since beta. And, yeah, I'm a sucker for it. Um, I mean, I've had, I think I was talking to Chris about it earlier. Um, in the life of the game, I've pretty much had probably a year off, maybe two, barely two, um, over the 
what is it, 14 years now, Chris? Yep. Um, because I love it. Like, I mean, shit, even today I was, I was trying to get a fishing achievement because I love achievement chasing with, uh, with <laughs> Colonel Kane. Like, that, that's our thing. You know, like, we love that shit. And I think that's the thing with Destiny. Like, there's just, there's not enough variety, I don't think, um, to really engage you into the game, engage you into that universe to make it sort of worth your time. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm a father now, so I don't have a great deal of gaming time. Um, but, you know, I'm at home with the kids and, and then I go to work and it's sort of like, you know, it makes it hard to sort of devote a whole bunch of time into things. Um, and Destiny just doesn't, yeah, it, it makes me not want to play it. I don't know. I just don't want to pump so many hours into something and not sort of feel a sense of achievement at the end of it. Or at least, I mean, I'm not saying I, I want the biggest weapon at the end of it or the best armor, but I want, you know, something out of it. Um for my time I'd like, to, I'd like to see fishing in destiny Mate, that'd, awesome. that'd be pretty cool i mean um shotgun geez. water boom <laughs> <laughs> boom sticks um yeah uh, isn't there there's a because there's a uh, what world is it is it io uh oh, yeah, yeah. yeah that's the water world isn't it because this is how long i've bloody this uh, is how long it's been since i have played right. Destiny 2, far out. <laughs> Actually, you're uh, right. I can't remember. It is. It's the one with the um, the Vex on it, isn't it? Uh, is it the Vex? No, no, not the Vex. I reckon Nick Holland's going to chop with us right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah Nick, Nick's probably going to go. <laughs> like, I fucking hate you guys. What are you doing? <laughs> um, hang on a sec. Destiny 2. I bloody hate myself for not knowing this. Um, <laughs> Come on, uh, Nick. Help us out here. Um... Because what are you, yeah, you've got, um... Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> Titan. Titan, that's the one. Yeah, it's Titan. Now, in Titan, there's a giant fish. There's a big, there's a big sea creature. That's right, yeah. The, it's, um, if you look off the, yeah, off the, um, oil off rig. The platforms, there. yeah. Yeah, you just rigs. see this thing going through the water. I mean, how cool would that be, being a boss? Like, you go, oh, look, let's, let's go get it. And maybe find a special suit or fucking unlock a power that can survive you in the uh, in the Titan fluid. Who um, knows? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we are streaming this live right now to Game on AUS on Facebook and also twitch.tv slash Game on AUS. And Nick is watching and he's just... He's <laughs> losing his shit. He's just commented saying, loosing my shit. It's that you've spelt it loosing, okay, mate? All right? Loosing. If you want to loose your shit about Destiny, I'm going to loose my shit about the context with which your spelling is put forward in the comment. You bloody banana. Uh, um, spelling police are out. <laughs> so, yeah, look, there's um, there's plenty to come with this. There's... Uh, uh, what have we got here? One of the main features Bungie showed today, this is from the Kotaku story, was Escalation Protocol, a horde mode that sort of looks like a cross between Destiny's Prison of Elders and Court of Oryx. It's a public event on the new Mars area, and it will task players with shooting through waves of enemies before time expires. There are rotating bosses, different tasks like destroy those crystals, and even mode-specific weapons like a sweet-looking spear called the Valkyrie that you can hurl at, eving, uh, at enemies. Um, that sounds pretty good. I love me a good wave... Um, a good wave after wave style of gameplay. Mm. Um, they go on to say, Bungie's developers also talked about many of the changes they're making to the player versus player crucible mode. Next month, Destiny 2 will get private matches and ranked PvP. Love the idea of private matches. Mm. That is something that we've been talking about for so long uh, amongst the Flak Test crew when it came to doing PvP um, yep. and crucible and stuff like that because it, it would be so awesome to get... I mean. 
far out this happens all the time the whole heap of us jumping into the discord and some nights yeah. it ends up there's eight or ten of us sitting in there going what are we going to do um yeah. it'd be awesome to get a private match going and actually play ranked pvp is another good one for those who love a bit of a competitive streak and the latter leading to all sorts of wild rewards like an overpowered gun that will be super tough to acquire the gun has a buffed version of the Outlaw perk, that's Precision Kills Boosts Your Reload Speed, and then a new perk called Desperado that boosts your fire rate while Outlaw is active, allowing for what I imagine will be some incredibly powered, overpowered attacks. Warmind also comes with a new Raid Lair, New Strikes, a non-playable character named Anna Bray, and a bunch yep. of other changes, including the emote wheel that Destiny fans have been requesting for years now. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What's what is the fascination with an emote wheel? Ah, oh, it's just funny doing stupid it's, things. It's the only way to communicate in the game, really. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's another thing that they stuffed up, isn't it? Like there was no chat. You know, like you look at WoW. You know, the old Barons chat back in the day, and you could, you know, just go off and that's what i think destiny needed you know real good on good chat system i mean blizzard linked in with them so surely they would have taken a leaf out of their book and gone hey how about we use our chat system and go for it you know Look, i mean i know there's some people out there but geez. there's a whole lot of salt that would come with that but it is <laughs> it is a good feature yeah. that is true but uh, yeah. at the end of the day that's you know salt is just something that we live with in the gaming world isn't it we just <laughs> it doesn't matter what it is you're just going to get some salt um, so they go on to finish by saying it will be interesting to see if this is all uh, enough to bring regular Destiny players back and keep them playing regular Destiny players I'm sure will come back um, even irregular Destiny players will come back um, but yeah the the big thing for me is will it keep us playing so that yeah. is what remains to be seen because like I said before and this is the point really it's not like there's nothing else to play yeah, um, that's it. Speaking of which, Garbs, before we get on to the, the second bit of news, so, uh, yeah, this you went out and got yourself a PlayStation. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Um, I mean, I've been tossing and turning. I mean, I'm, I'm generally a PC player. You know, like, that's... I haven't touched my Xbox One. Oh, God, that'd be a year, Chris, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, easily. Yeah, we more. haven't... Yeah, I mean, I just sort of... There's a couple of games that really sucked me in, but a majority of the games that I really wanted to play were all on PS4. And, um, yeah, I thought when I saw, like, you know, uh, Nick talking about, you know, God of War and and watching the streams and all that, I'm just getting that taste in my mouth. I'm going, I've got to play this game. I've really got to play it. And then eventually, uh, you know, you, you think about Horizon Zero Dawn, you think about Last Last of Us and and soon well red dead redemption that's coming out like that was one that really sort of tipped it over because i went that's not coming out on pc i'm not going to be able to play that and i got yeah i got a bit salty and i thought that i'm going to go and do it i'm going to go and buy a ps4 i had a bit of spare cash so yeah why not and um i'm really looking forward to it actually because the last playstation i played was number two playstation two i think chris jesus long time yeah, back a ways now. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 yeah. and stuff like that. that. That's where it was at. Like the old, the original, I think, Gran Turismo, like a uh, friend of mine, who's also called Nick Yeta, that was our game. You know, get on the gas and try and <laughs> play Gran Turismo while we're drunk. Um, you know, things like that. So that's the last time I played it. And pretty much, you know, Chris and I swapped over to, well, we went to Xbox because that's what 
all our mates were playing. So it's yeah. just that classic thing of, you know, you play what your mates are playing because what's the point? And them having an Xbox and you having a PlayStation, you can't play with them. So, but now I'm finding there's a lot more people that I know that are getting um, PlayStation 4s and, um, or have them already. And yeah, like, as I said, Nick's a, a good ambassador for him because he, yeah, he got me sucked into it. <laughs> Talking he about God of War and stuff. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> you went for the PS4 Pro, right? I did, yeah. I got the PS4 Pro, whatever it is, one terabyte. It's, um, yeah, I could probably hook it up to this monitor and it'd look pretty cool. It's the duck's nuts. Um, I am still running the PS4. One of the things that I'm finding at the moment is that I'm probably not far off from having to go up to that next level of current-gen console. And the reason mm-hmm. being is um, as, as we move on and the games get better, um, you can tell that particularly the first-party developers are really pumping some some um, software into their games in terms of the amount of pressure it puts on the hardware because, yep. mate, my my fan is buzzing far out. Like, I, I actually cannot, guys... I can, I'm going to get nice and close to the mic here. I can't actually play God of War at the moment without my PS4 going... <laughs> Sounds like you're motorboating, Pete. Um... <laughs> But no, that, that's true. Like, I mean, it's like with the old Xbox, you know, getting the the 360 Red Ring of Death, and and that just oh, it used to drive me. I mean, I used to a freaking fan there. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's um, I'm I'm hoping from what uh, Nick told me and a, and a few other mates that have got PS4s that this is like the real updated system that it's got. You know, it's going to launch basically. You could send you to the moon and back again. So yeah, I'm pretty pumped for it. Um, because as I said, like I was talking to Chris, like we're, we're really pumped about State of Decay 2. Um, I was a massive fan of the original one. Um, and State of Decay 2, I can get that on PC anyway. It's not just Xbox, it's Xbox and PC. So, yeah, so that's why I thought I'll get the PS4 because that's, yeah, it's got a lot more games that I'm more interested in playing. So, looking forward to it. Um, we'll, we'll come back to God of War a little bit later on because it's a bit more of a chat that I want to have about it because it's, it's spectacular. Um, to say the least, but we'll move on to the second bit of news that gamers need to hear this week, and uh, this one comes from you, Chriso, that Aussie Steam users are getting a consumer rights notice. So if you play PC, if you're listening to this right now and you live in Australia and you play PC, look out because you are getting a consumer rights notice with regards to Valve. Now, just a bit of backstory on this. From Kotaku yet again, when Valve was fined $3 million a couple of years ago, one of the court orders was that a notice was to be visible to all Australian users, and with the High Court rejecting Valve's appeal recently, that notice is now posted online and through the Steam client. Uh, over the last couple of days, Valve has begun displaying a Australian consumer rights notice to Aussie Steam users. The notice contains a link to Justice Edelman's ruling against Valve, which found that the US-based company had violated Australian consumer law by representing to Australian consumers via the Steam subscriber agreement and Steam refund policy that consumers had no entitlement to a refund in any circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, finally, the lawsuit centred on representation Steam made to users between 20, 2011 and 2014. The full notice, which Australian users can see through the Steam client or the Steam site, is available at kotaku.com.au. Um, the ACCC has come out talking about this. Uh, they took it to court so that it could actually overturn it um, and get it in favour of Australian consumers. This is 
This is a game changer. Um, this is very interesting because obviously this will set a precedent for um, pretty much digital companies right around the world with regards to how they deal with Australian consumers, right? Yep, definitely. And I think the biggest thing, like the the visual thing with Steam is everything's in US dollars still. Yep. Um, you know, you look at um, Uplay and I think Origin even does Australian dollars. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, with this uh, $3 million court case, I think um, Uplay and Origin jumped on the front foot, whereas Valve tried to fight and, you know, obviously have lost this appeal recently. So, um, and now they're starting to cover all their bases for the Australian market, which is what they should have done in the first place and, you know, be upfront and they don't even, um, you know, show our tax, you know, because we're, we're, we're effectively importing a digital game, uh, you know, by, inten by intensive purposes of the law. So uh, for this to come up is, is quite a good move. Um, in saying that, Steam has had a refund policy and it probably is stemming from all of this uh, court case issue. So back in December 2016, they really ramped up their refunds policy. But prior to that, it was basically no refunds, which is what the court case was about. Um, but now Steam refunds, essentially, you can request a refund for nearly any purchase on Steam for any reason. Um, so maybe you know you bought a game that your PC can't handle in terms of hardware requirements. Maybe you mistakenly bought a game you know, just flat out bought the wrong one, or maybe you just didn't didn't like it. Um, like EB Games, you have a ref returns policy, but with Steam, um, the refund policy is 14 days or up to two or less than two hours of gameplay. Yeah. So that's interesting. 14 days or less than two hours of gameplay. Um, yep. Off the air before we were talking about that point in particular, Garbs, and you made some... Um, pretty on-point comments with regards to two hours of gameplay. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, for me, I mean, it was, you know, you, you, you buy the game and you go, I'm going to give it a go, and then, you know, you start playing and, um, you know, maybe, like, as I say, for me, you know, I've got, got twins, so, you know, one of one kicked off, I'd have to stop playing the game. And even if you press pause, it's still registering as you're playing the game. So, you know, I'll go and deal with that, and there's maybe half an hour gone. Um, come back and maybe somebody comes to the door. So I'm not going to get that full two hours to give a game a crack. And so when I finally come back to the game and I've played two hours 30, you're going, wow, this is a big pile of shit I've ever played in my life. You're going to get a claim. They go, sorry, champ, you're half an hour over your thing. And you're like, oh, come on, give us a go. I mean, I bought that, uh, what was it, Metal Gear... Survival? Survive, yeah. Survive, yep. sorry, yep. I know, I know it's that one because that's the, everybody says the uh, same thing about it. <laughs> I mean... I, I had that in my thought because I, 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 there was a game, um, which game was it? I played and I played it for the two, I think it was like two hours, 10 minutes. And they said, and I went, this is rubbish. And I put in a thing to get the money back. And they said, no, nah, jam it. And I was pretty dark. So when it came to Metal Gear Survive, I heard mixed rumors. So I thought, yeah, I'll give it a go. So I started playing and I'm going, wow, this is a bit shit. Um, I love survival games. So I'm a big sucker for them. But I thought, oh, I wanted to give it more, like really give it a go, but I thought if I give it the two hours and then, you know, give it that extra hour or, or extra half hour or whatever and it, and it really is shit, I can't get a, a claim. So I was pretty much an hour into it and went, no, nah, I'm not going to even attempt it. So I just got the claim and it came through. But, yeah, it's 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 not a reasonable amount of time to really give it a go. Um, 
I mean, it's like a, uh, you get a pan in the shop to go and cook a steak in and it melts on the first go. You take that back to the shop and they'll give you a refund or they'll give you a new one. Mm. Um, same sort of thing, you know, like if you get a game, I mean, EB Games, I think, does, what is it, Chris, the seven-day policy? Yeah. Yeah, so they give give you seven days to give it a go and if you don't like it, they'll give you in-store credit, which I think is a fair deal. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about that and the reason no? being is because seven days is enough for you to knock over a game. Right, like sure if, if you've got the time, right, and look, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm all for a, I'm all for a, um, a bit of a freebie. But if if you've got if you've got the time, like us, it's a bit hard, as you mentioned before. We're we're all dads, right? So yep. you know, coming up, coming by this that that seven day period, um, it might be a little bit tough to actually get, um enough time to enjoy that game through that seven day period. You might get a couple of hours sort of here and there. Yeah, and, that's it. Yeah, but I mean, there are a lot of people out there who can take advantage of that. You've got seven days to knock over a game. You take it back, and you've you've essentially had the entire experience for nothing. You know, I know it's mm-hmm. I know it's store credit, but that's store credit that you go and you purchase another game. The you next know? One, yeah. It's not it's not like um it's not like you have to continually purchase or use that store credit at the same EB either. I mean, you know, you go to yeah. the EB in Willerton and you buy a game, You seven days later you take it to the EB in the city and you use your store credit there and then you go to Joondalup and then you go yeah, to... Yeah, that's you know, true. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I'm not 100% sure how I feel about that. I know there's a lot of people out there who um, are quite honourable with regards to that system, but... Uh, yep. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one. I I kind of admire EB for sticking to that particular policy because it's um, yeah, it's it's a hell well, of a policy to stick to. That's right. I mean, there's definitely there's always people out there that take the piss. Um, yep. And um, whereas it Simone made a Facebook, she made a good point. Like you know, it, it should be a longer period. Like two hours, is, as I said, is not enough. You know, things happen. We can't get that to our experience. I mean, even if they extended it out to eight hours or, or twenty-four hours, as Simone was saying, you know, that that's reasonable in my opinion to get a decent assessment of, hey, is this really going to be the game that I, I thought it was going to be, or is it going to be a pile of shit and I should get a refund? So, um, if they extended that out you know, quite a few more hours, I'd be happy with that. Um, 14 days, if you haven't played it in 14 days, well, shit, you know, that's fair enough as well. Um, mm. But, yeah, I think the two hours is way too short to get a, a fair assessment of whether what you've bought is um, is good enough because, I mean, there's plenty of games out there, as we know, that have gone, hey, this is awesome, and when you go to play it, it's it's a pile of crap, you know. So, yeah. Uh, Fallout watch, 4. Watchdogs. <laughs> Um, division, <laughs> fucking everything. Oh, go on forever. But yeah, Man, I, that's I agree pretty much with you it. on Watchdogs. Everybody, I remember when that game came out and people were going absolutely fucking mad about it. I, I just couldn't get into it. I, I think I gave it two or three good hours to try and get into it. I just couldn't get my head around it. It just wasn't yeah. interesting. I think the pace for me was a little bit too slow. It was a bit. I mean, like, um, I played it and I think Dave T actually was playing it as well. And we'd sort of played like the mobile game and the and like so if i was at home on the system he'd be on the mobile game we'd do the games and that i mean the the chases there that was quite fun but it it just lacked you know like you look at that that initial trailer they dropped i think it was e3 and you're going wow this is absolutely awesome and then you get it and you go where was that where's that where's those graphics where's that gameplay um and it's just shit and division did the same thing you go Hang on, I looked at the trailer they dropped, and it's a totally different game to what it is now. It's like a Diablo three shooter, and it, and that's that's just not what I 
I thought it would be. So, yeah. So. I think also, like, Watch Dogs, unfortunately, got released around about the same time as um, uh, Grand Theft Auto Five, And for me, it was kind of the same game. Yes, what, uh, Watch Dogs had hacking, but ultimately it was an open world, you know, and you can drive around and shoot people. So for me, uh, at the time, Grand Theft Auto just stole my attention and I never really got back into Watch Dogs. And then you look at the um, the comments and what you guys are saying and you kind of turn yourself off. Yeah, mate, I agree with you. I th- you know, and that comes back to that point again of if, if you're not putting out a decent game when there are others around, yep. you're going to sort of lose them. Um, That's right. The, um, the, the whole issue I found very interesting with regards to coming back to exactly what it is that we're talking about here is that um, uh, all of a sudden these companies from around the world because there is a big difference between international consumer law and Australian consumer law right Um, but for this to actually set a precedent now that these companies around the world have to abide by Australian consumer law is a pretty big game changer and the reason being is because it it is really like us versus australia when it comes to consumer law really is apples and oranges um like in comparison to the us we're actually very lucky in this country um with how consumer law is taken and how serious it is taken so coming back to this point about um, Valve and its conduct in Australia. The the thing that I actually found really interesting in this, because I did a little bit of reading and digging into the actual um, federal court judgments, and they go through the test for whether Valve's conduct was in Australia. Right now, considering Valve actually, you know, is overseas, like Valve doesn't operate in Australia per se. Right, that's obviously the biggest test. It is whether or not Valve actually operates overseas or whether it's conducting its business here in Australia. And they went on about it like this. The parties conducted this litigation on the basis that it was necessary for the ACCC to prove that Valve's conduct was in Australia or if not, that the extended provisions of the Competition and Consumer Act applied to extend the operation of that act to conduct outside of Australia. And coming back to um, the fact that Valve was actually conducting things in Australia is a bit of a ripple effect to just about everything else out there now, right? So with regards to, I mean, this can go even further. Like it can go beyond just Valve and it can go beyond gaming. It can go to other digital companies like Apple and Google yeah. and, um, you know, it's but it's the sort of, and Amazon, right? And it's the sort of thing is like, how far do you actually take it? You know, I mean, if you, let's take iTunes, for example, if you download a television show and mm. you don't necessarily like it, what do you do there? Like, you know, is this is this cause to be able to actually chase them up and ask for a refund as well? Um, yeah, it's like um, buying off the Xbox store. Once you buy a digital game, you can't refund it at the current yeah. state. Yep, that's right. See, now that's... Yeah, that's... It's crazy, isn't it? Because I'm just waiting for this to blow up to a point, and I don't know whether or not it will, but I'm waiting for this to blow up to a point where um, it actually does affect all of those other stores, like you just mentioned the Xbox store, the PlayStation store, um, you know, and more often than not, like when you're dropping a bit of digital money, you're you're usually dropping more than what you'd actually spend in the shops when you're buying that particular game as well. Yeah, especially with Steam. Yeah, Yeah. and Steam and Xbox. I mean, Dan's talked about it in a previous podcast where 
an Xbox game in the store might be 60, 70 bucks, but on the digital store with no packaging, no disc, nothing is like 90 bucks. So, you know, where's the logic in that with for a digital game? Valve did try to argue the point. They submitted that it did not engage in conduct in Australia. In written submissions, it said that it is a foreign corporation with business premises and staff all located outside Australia. It said that it holds no real estate in Australia and hosts its website outside Australia. It said that it provides support services outside Australia. It said mm-hmm. that the Steam content is not preloaded or stored on Valve's servers in Australia. It said that payment for subscriptions is made in United States dollars and processed in Washington State. Um, point 163 went on to say all of these matters can be accepted, but it is curious that Valve's written submission made no mention of all the connections that it did have to Australia including in relation to each of these matters. We'll go through a few of these. One, although it has no real property in Australia, it has significant personal property, namely servers in Australia, which at the time of acquisition had a retail value of $1.2 million. Um, Although it has no staff in Australia, it had approximately 2.2 million subscriber accounts in Australia. Its Australian servers were initially configured by an employee who traveled to Australia. Number three, although its support services are provided outside Australia, those support services provide support for subscribers, including the 2.2 million accounts in Australia. Four, although the Steam content is not preloaded or stored on Valve servers in Australia, Mr. Dunkel's evidence, how's that for a name, was that it is deposited on Valve's three services in Australia when requested by a subscriber and will stay on the server if it is requested again in a particular period of time. And then number five, Although payment for subscriptions is in US dollars and processed in Washington State, the payments include those made by Australian consumers to Valve and against Mm. that revenue are expenses including payments of tens of thousands of dollars per month by Valve to the Australian bank account of an Australian company. That company is called Equinix. So if your other companies looking at this particular... um, looking at this particular federal court judgment for Valve, those are the things that you would actually have to get your head around um, and have to get your business model around. And I don't necessarily think that there is any way that that any other company would be able to do it without all of that stuff. I mean, how do you, you know, how do you actually sell stuff without having local servers? And um, I think it's, I think it's impossible. So, you know, this is one that I think other companies are going to have to sit up and take notice. Actually, I was just going to add one thing. Um, just from Facebook's main ads, another point, you know, like how do they justify charging more on a digital store rather than in-store? You know, like there's been comments made in the past as to why they have the prices that they do for games because of packaging and CDs and all that. But this is digital. This is just a download. So surely it would be cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, but they still don't. They, they they give you the full, you know, ticket on online. Like you're generally paying for a premium game like, 80, 90 bucks, maybe 100 or more, you know, it depends yeah. on what it is. But uh, you could go to the shop, still pay the same amount, you know, so there needs to be a bit of, you know, I think there's just piss taken by these guys as well um, to get the most out of their money, I mean, out of their, their game. But, um, yeah, good point anyway. I like that one. Yeah, I mean, Sea of Thieves on, on the Microsoft store is 100 bucks. Like, yes, yeah. you get it on PC and Xbox, but 100 bucks, that's a lot. But of it's, it's 100 bucks of, of what? I mean, like, there's been so many complaints about that game, and there's so much. Um, well, that's, that's a game that's been touted as very lacking in content. You know, once you've done the main stuff, you, what, you just fucking boot around the seas doing what? You know, and, and that's the thing. 100 bucks is, if it was like cheaper, like maybe 50, then yeah, you've yeah. got your money. That's right. Sea of Thieves is the destiny of the ocean. 
<laughs> Basically. It's destiny on water. Um, <laughs> speaking of Sea of Thieves, nice little segue to move on to the third bit of news uh, that gamers need to hear this week. And that is uh, this from GameSpot. Worlds Adrift may be perfect for disappointed Sea of Thieves fans. A lack of content in Sea of Thieves has turned many off, but we take a look at a new PC game on Steam that might be a viable alternative. Sea of Thieves' release has come and gone, with many disappointed by the game's lack of things to do. Rare has pledged long-term support that will see new content added, but in the meantime, those looking for some ship-based fun may find what they're looking for in Worlds Adrift. The so-called community-crafted MMO has been available in closed beta through Steam for some time alongside the game's island creator, which allows players to create worlds that may be included in the final game. On May 17, the early access game will expand to something closer to what developer Bossa Studios has in mind for the full product. There's a video above that uh, these guys show that shows them trying the game out. Um, world Adrift is all about forming a crew, building a flying ship, and exploring the world. Physics are a key element, as you're not simply throwing together a custom look for your ship. You'll need to build something that will actually work. You can see what ship-to-ship -ship combat is like in the video, which you can see at this story on GameSpot, and get a glimpse at some intense PvP action, using grappling hooks to hang from their ship before launching over to an enemy vessel. You'll spend the early hours in Worlds Adrift assembling a ship before venturing out, uh, which in turn lets you create better ships by finding and tracking down better tech. Long term, yep. there will also be player alliances and trading, though they don't know exactly when those elements are coming. It's already available for purchase. Several different tiers available. Get your additional cosmetics and other exclusive content, ranging in prices starting at $35, which gets you a copy of the game and access to this test server, though the base price will drop to $25 at launch. Uh, have you guys played Worlds Adrift? No, uh, I haven't, actually. Um, yeah, like when I read that story, this is the first time I sort of heard about it. Because, I mean, I've been keen about Sea of Thieves, but as I said, after hearing stuff from Chris and a few others and reading reviews, I've, I'll save that 100 bucks. But um, then they dropped this on me, and I'm like, it looks quite interesting. It's a bit unique. So, as you um, um, mentioned that $100, uh, we are streaming this live on Facebook and at twitch.tv slash gamingaus. Simone, again, I looked at getting that but couldn't justify $100. Yeah. I think a lot of people justified $100 before the game actually came out. And then the game came out, they got their hands on it, and couldn't justify it after having played it. So, um, it's an interesting one because the the reviews are mixed. Because there are a lot of people that I talk to who play the game who absolutely love it. And acknowledge the fact that there's not a lot to do, but for some reason they keep coming back to it. And there are a lot of people who just hate it and feel like they've been duped in a way. Um, Chris, so you've played the game. Yes, I have, and um, it is it is a good game. It is a fun game, but when I first went into it, I was I was again sucked into the hype, like I get sucked into a lot of these games. Uh, watched a lot of videos, watched a lot of streamers playing it, um, and took the plunge at the hundred bucks. And in my head, the justification was I can play with mates, and it wasn't a nudge to you guys to say, "Come on, spend hundred bucks and play with me." It was more once you're in the game, you, you can you get you either. Um, sail solo or you sail in a group and get group yeah. of randoms um, so I was you know, initially excited, I logged in my first game, um, this guy walked up to me with this cage and inside the cage was a rooster and the guy's <laughs> like do you like my cock? and, uh, and I was like okay, <laughs> that's a bit interesting 
Lucky cock. Um, lucky cock. So after that, I figured out, you know, uh, there's three factions in the game. I picked up my first uh, quests or missions, if you like, uh, for those three factions, set sail, did a couple of missions, and it was quite cool um, to, to sail around, uh, do the missions, find the treasure, and find new items. And all the items are cosmetic. So there's nothing when you get a new sword. It's not a sword plus plus two sword or anything yeah. like that. It's it's just cosmetics. And when I started to get more feeling of this, it's just cosmetics. It really took the wind out of my sails. You know, pun intended. Um, it just I, I was like, well, why am I playing? You know, yeah. yes, there's a you can become a legendary pilot uh, pirate. Um, you can band together, um, capture bases, and take on a crack and those kinds of things. But ultimately. Why am I? Why do I need to invest my time to just get cosmetics? You yeah. Know? So I felt. I never, yeah, that's yeah, right. I felt that hundred bucks quickly it was it was diminished. I mean, I'm a sucker for cosmetics, but even that, I'd just be like, I'd be I'd be bored pretty quick. And I mean, I'm just having a look at the Worlds Adrift game on Steam at the moment. And at the moment, if you want to buy just the basic Founders Pack, it's uh, 34.99 USD. Um, and then it goes up, you know, if you want to do the Explorers Pack, which is 54, and then you go to the full Hog, which is a Captain's Founders Pack for 64. Um, and it seems like it's got a lot in it, but they've also got this thing called uh, Worlds Adrift Island Creator, so you can create your own adventures, basically. So that's sort of, that's opened up a massive amount. So in my eyes, that would be a 10 times better game to get into because there's scope to do whatever you want, you know what I mean? Like, you could create a map for your mate to, mates to complete or if it's good enough it'll get thrown into the world that sort of thing so they're giving you that little bit extra for a less of a price um yeah yeah much much less 35 us you know like right. even that is better and i mean shit if you had that in CFEs where you could create your own thing i mean that might open up uh more content but this year this world's drift has just yeah kicked off pretty well um, i really like the idea of the build element building mm. your own ship and then going out there to... I mean, because, you know, they've obviously looked into the whole pirate history and all that sort of yep. stuff and thought to themselves, what what did pirates do? They, you know, went out there, they ransacked islands and people and all that sort of stuff. They fought and they went hunting for treasure, you know. So what are we going to do in regards to giving people the carrot to go and hunt for treasure? Oh, let's, let's stick better tech out there. You know, so like it's that it's that grind to again upgrade the stuff that you're doing and and the the ship that you're building and I love that particular element about it. Um, obviously, Sea of Thieves doesn't have anything like that, and yes, the cosmetics and all that. But you know, the the cosmetics argument's an interesting one because um, I'm not necessarily uh, like that. That is such a, a case by case basis when it comes to whether or not it sucks you in. Because Overwatch, for example, like every time they release a new series of cosmetics, and that is a game that I mean, if you're not prepared to drop, you know, sixty bucks on fifty yeah. crates or whatever it is, you are grinding a long time just to pull oh, yeah. a crate over. Yeah. Um, but I will sit there and I'll grind. Like if there's if there are if there's a new theme that's come out or if there's cosmetics that I don't have all of the cosmetics yet, and even the original ones that came with the game I don't have, and I'm still grinding for them. I don't know yeah. what it is. I, I think it might have a lot to do with um, the the amount of effort 
and how emotionally invested I am into the actual story itself because they've done such an incredible job there. Um, grinding for cosmetics isn't going to make me get Sea of Thieves, and it's you know it it the change from pay to win to cosmetics for Star Wars Battlefront Two hasn't brought me back to that game either. So. Yeah. Yeah, the cosmetics argument is a... It really is a case-by-case basis. As I say, like I've said in the past, like, cosmetics are good. Um, it's a good little thing. I mean, I love how Overwatch... I think it's great, you know, like... They bring out so many cool, different um, cosmetic skins for the characters. And as you said, there's a, there's a story behind every character, so you're really excited about seeing, well, why have they got that one? And there's you'll always find some sort of... In- as to why they look like that. Um, but yeah, like, Sea of Thieves, I mean, shit, it's, if that's all it is, then it doesn't, yeah, it's not going to hit the mark in keeping you interested. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, Rare's come out recently saying they're going to add more content very soon and it's going to be regular content. Um, but I think they've missed the boat. You know, yeah, they've, they've absolutely. left, they've really missed the mark in, on launch. Um, and yes, yeah, there's super hardcore players out there that are going to smash content no matter what game it is, and complain that there's no content. Yeah. But, you know, as a general rule, you've got to make your content meaningful and, and want to keep playing it, and cosmetics alone doesn't do it for me. Now, along the vein of Sea of Thieves paid $100 for it and it was very disappointing, also wanted to talk about games that have disappointed you. Oh, so, such a good topic. Uh, it's, it's an absolute cracker of a topic. And this has come off the back of a um, post on the, the Game on AUS Facebook page. So I'm going to go and jump on that post and read out a few comments. But um, guys, feel free to get started. Gabs, go ahead. A game that's really disappointed you, or even two or three, as many as you want. Oh, right, shit. Where do I start? Um, all right. Well, one of the biggest ones that really... It upset me. It was Mass Effect Andromeda. You know, like, there's people out there that did love it. Um, I personally have played probably about oh, an hour and a half, and I just went, what is this rubbish? Because you look at what they did with 1, 2, and 3, and the graphics they had there, it's a bit of grit, you know, it's a bit dark, and this one just looked like a cartoon. It, it, the characters were shit. Um, and, yeah, the, even the gameplay, I was sort of sitting there going... Okay, I'm a bit bored, you know, and, and there was just nothing there. And that, that really annoyed me because I was really, I got on the hype tra- train big time with that one. And as I said, I bought the big box and the collector's edition, and that just, yeah, I oh, just rubbish. Um, what else? Have, su- have such amazing experiences with Mass Effect 1 and 2. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, even number three. I mean, number one, like Chris introduced me to number one, as I was saying, and, and it, it just blew me away. I was like, what is this game? This is fantastic. You know, it's got a class system. You can change all your bits and bobs up um, and make yourself how you want. And I love that sort of thing where there's where you customise your character how you want to play, even though it's sort of under that one class. Um, and then number two, by far, is one of my most favourite games in the whole series, or probably the best game. Um, but number three was good, but again like the ending really let me down like you've they've, they've started you on this journey from number one and you, you're getting invested in these characters and then they dump that shit on you <laughs> i i just i just went yeah what the hell you know and then i said andromeda better blow my socks off or that series can yeah get stuffed um what's another one for me uh no man's sky is I... one no man's sky we'll come back to no man's sky in a yep. moment um nick holland's just dropped in the chat on facebook which I've heard you mention a, a time or two, the Division. Oh, Division, yeah. Oh, God, Division. That game, I was so pumped for. I mean, I 
I um, I started off on the Xbox uh, massively. Um, I jumped in with a bunch of friends there, and we we were so excited because when you looked at what they released, I think it was an E3 that video. It's sort of like real gritty survival. Um, you know, you're this division agent. You go in with minimal gear. You got to go and grab all your stuff and survive. Um, again, I'm a massive fan of survival games, but I think um, Ubisoft pushed the developers too hard to get something out. I don't know what it was. Um, you know, like, yeah, Dave T, Dave T and I, like, we, we couldn't stop talking about the division and what it, what it was going to give us. And, you know, like, I think I got to the max level within the first day or at least two days, I think, over a couple of gameplays. And then after that, I was like, oh, okay, what do I do now? There was no achievement system. There was no no nothing. And, and it was just a bit of a disappointment. And it ended up being more of a Diablo looter. Like, you know, you get the the grey guns or the blue guns that they've got. And that, I hate that. I really do hate that. You know, like you look at the story of what The Division is, is that, you know, New York's gone to shit because of a virus and you're there to go and bring bring it back to um, to working order using whatever means necessary, which means if you have to kill people, you have to kill people. And then you go to your base and there's these dudes selling weapons. I mean, at the end of the day, if that was a, sort of a real scenario, you would execute those two blokes who selling the guns, give them to your troops and go get out there and regain order. You know, the story just didn't match. And a friend of mine, Shannon, he, he is, we played it a lot and he has very good things about that. So I'd love to get him on one day and get him to, to, to have his uh, say about division, but wow, like it's just disappointing. And, but, the good thing about Division, I think, now is that they've really looked at what they stuffed up on. Mm. And even what, what they've got now is 10 times better than what it was originally. So I've been playing bits here and there. I mean, obviously, there's so many games I'm playing at the moment, I can't devote time into it, but it looks really cool. But it's still got that bad taste in my mouth, you know, that I pumped so many hours. I mean, shit, what did I pump into Division back in the day? Where is it? Um can't even find a bloody thing but yeah i pumped a lot of hours into that game um and yeah i don't feel like i got anything out of it you know if they had an achievement system in the beginning or a more variety in what you could do then yeah um you could make a wicked game out of it i mean new york i mean shit there's so much they could have done with the skyscrapers the the the, t- the the city itself, you know, underground um, stuff they could have expanded, but it just wasn't there. And I think, as I said, that uh, Ubisoft just punched them and said, "Hey, get something out quickly." And they lost a lot of what their original concept was, which um, which was annoying because you know they were going to have tablet support and they were going to have, um, you know, so like your mates are on PC or Xbox and um, your other mate can't play, but he's got his iPad there. He can do drone support for you, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, which is uh, games loading now. Um, so yeah, like that that game really dropped the ball big time. So I'm hoping, absolutely hoping that the new Division Two that they've um, said that they're bringing out, they they've looked at what they've stuffed up on in the original, and gone, we're going to give it ten times better game, um, and definitely hope they don't go down the Division path of, I mean not the Division, the Destiny path of going, hey, it's just because it's Destiny, it's going to sell. No. I really hope they've they've put in some good gameplay and and good systems to to keep us interested and make us feel that what we're doing is achieving something like you feel that sense of achievement and accomplishment in a game. Chris, so, yeah. what what about you, mate? Uh, I reckon um, recently, or not recently, 2013, Dead Space Three. So I don't know if you played the Dead Space series. Uh, it's on the vein of the Doom series. Um, yep. You're a, you're a, what you're a lone survivor 
in, in, in a, on a space station. Uh, and Death Space 1 and Death Space 2 scared the shit out of me. Like, there was, it was just atmospheric. It was, um, you know, aliens jumping in your face. And it really sucked me in. And it's Death Space 1 and Death Space 2, one of those rare games for me personally that oh, yeah. I actually played and finished. I played the 6, 7, 8, 10 hour campaign and finished. Which is a bloody rarity, Ingles, I'll tell you that. It is, it is. <laughs> like, I've got game artists at the moment where I just can't oh. figure out what game to play. Um, but Dead Space 1 and 2 sucked me in start to finish. Dead Space 3, uh, when EA came on top of and, and started to publish that that particular game, just stuffed it right up. Um, they added microtransaction, they added a multiplayer mode, and they just took the suspense and fear right out of the game. Um, and, you know, multiplayer and microtransactions, you could say that, that disappoint that, you know, that ruined other games. You know the EA have, have come along and, and produced as well. Well, that's the problem with these big big ones. Like you know, you look at EA; they've got a track record of stuffing up a good thing. Um, and Ubisoft, <laughs> I think, have realised um, recently that they were stuffing up big time with big titles and and are starting to bring it back around. Um, well, they've so- come out with a, a real one-two punch the past sort of two years or so between um, yeah. Assassin's Creed Origins and Far Cry 5, haven't they? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I've only played a little bit of Assassin's Creed, but uh, the Origins, but that is a beautiful game and I, I, I like it. Um, but Far Cry 5 really sucked me. And I mean, I know there's some people out there that didn't like it. They didn't like the story or they didn't like the gameplay, but for me, it entertained me. It engaged me a hell of a lot and I loved playing it with the guys that I did get to play it with, you know. So they, that was... I got my money's worth out of that one, and I think they've definitely got their heads in the right uh, headspace, basically, to make good games for gamers. You know, instead of doing the old EA, how can I suck every single cent out of a gamer with a pile of shit? So, yeah. Um, I'll go through some of these comments that are on the Facebook page right now. So we did drop a uh, picture up there, um, just asking, you know, which game didn't live up to the hype. And yep. I mean that's that's got a lot to do with it for a lot of these games. Obviously, uh, you know, more often than not, they're part of a trilogy or they're the the sequel to the first one, which was incredible, and they're coming off the back of a lot of hype. Whether it be um, initial sort of screenshots or footage that are shown sort of here and there, great teaser campaigns and so on and so forth. But uh, here are a few. Yep. Zeeshan has dropped in um, Lawbreakers for one. I never actually played Lawbreakers, and Lawbreakers was one of those ones that. I'm glad I didn't I didn't um, end up picking it up because it was one that I had a fair good look at because it did look like a fair bit of fun, you know, like one of those those first person shooters, um, a bit MOBA ish as well, um, which looked really cool. But uh, yeah, it turned out to be terrible. Um, Angus dropped here for honor. Did you guys ever play for honor? Um, I was keen to, but. Uh... At the time, I think, I can't remember what I was playing at the moment. I thought, oh, no, it'll be one I'll get later on. Um, but bloody hell, um, that was a big stuff up. Because it it's a cool idea, but apparently it was just, um, yeah, it was just shit. <laughs> you I, think know, like, it, I think that's what happened. It turned out to yeah. be just, um, it turned out to be incredibly repetitive. And there wasn't yeah. a lot of support for it in the end. Um, Adam says, Destiny 1 was so bad, I won't even look at 2. <laughs> Lee says, Commander Keen in Keen Dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, old school. Yeah, oh, I love that's, it. that's nice to see. Um, uh, Hayden says, not sure if it counts as expectations were lowering from the gameplay trailer, but 
DOW3 still broke my heart. I'm not 100% sure what DOW or is. Dawn of War. Dawn, Dawn of, of War. War. Right, okay. Yeah, no, I definitely um, say that was... Because um, talking to Colonel Kane, a massive fan of the Warhammer series, uh, Brucey, um, Nathan, Dave played it and they just go, it's just does not hit the mark at all. Um, it's a real drop down from them, like this, the last one. So, yeah, that I definitely will agree with that. That was Because I, I really loved the last one. I wanted to play it like crazy, but when the boys said, and this has come from diehard Warhammer fans, they said, pile of shit. I just went, yeah, fair enough, I'll save my money. So, yeah. Um, Jesse actually touches on Sea of Thieves here. His thoughts are, the lack of content compared to the hype that came with the E3 launch last year was devastating. The fact that they did weekend play sessions ruined their launch day, reducing server sizes and making some games empty sandbox. Uh, Liam says, Mass Effect Andromeda, No Man's Sky and Far Cry 5. No Man's Sky will come back to. Um, Far Cry 5 is an interesting one because, Garbs, you actually commented on this and said, Andromeda and No Man's Sky definitely... I thought Far Cry 5 was pretty good. And then Liam follows up with Far Cry 5 ending on par with Mass Effect 3. Now, without any spoilers, because I haven't finished Far Cry 5 yet because I've moved on to God of War. Um, But you... I'm sure it was you who was telling me that the ending to Far Cry 5 was actually quite good. Well, and again, that's my opinion. I I thought it was an absolute ripper. You know, like, you've got this game that sort of touches on what's pretty much sort of happening not not to the extent the game shows but you definitely have those militant religious groups in america you know you have the potential of nuclear war that sort of stuff looming in the background and and i just loved how they put it all together into a game and then when you sort of see the main what i call the main um ending you're like holy shit did that just happen um i mean i know that there's two there's a few endings you know what i mean but that one really blew me away and i thought it was all i actually thought it was awesome you know but again you know each their own you know if you if you didn't like it like it but um a lot of people that i've spoken to like riser and jazza um they they really thought it was it was fantastic. So um, I still think Far Cry Five was a success. So I don't think it was crap by any means. I mean, I played it once through, completed everything um, on normal. Now I'm playing through hard mode, um, and I'm still enjoying it. I'm still loving getting in there and you know shooting bloody cultists and hunting bears and all that sort of stuff and doing all the clutch nicks and um, achievements. That's 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 probably my most favourite part of, uh, out of all the game. But um, yeah. Again, each their own. Um, I get, thought it was a win. Chris, so did you get Far Cry Five? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, it's one of those games where I, I I I played with the boys and I was playing at the same time. Obviously, you can't play multiplayer, but yeah. uh, I, I finished Jacob Creed's section down the bottom left of the map, and then and I played it for me. Played it hard and, yeah. uh, in terms of I did every side quest possible in that area before moving to the next one. Yeah. And I kind of burnt out on, on the gameplay of it. So for me, um, brilliant game, brilliant gameplay, guns. I like, I love the story. Uh, I love the fishing, all that kind of stuff. But it just was a bit same-same when I went to the next area. And I went to Joseph, I think, at the top. Yeah. Um, I, I love the game. But for me, I had to have a break because I just absolutely smashed that first section. And mm-hmm. I've got so many other games on the go that, I thought, okay, I've finished that third, so I, I can comfortably leave that game, play something else and come back and pick it up without having to relearn the game and, and re-figure out where my quests were. I can just start yeah. from the next area. Um, 
for Far Cry, I think Far Cry 2, for me, Far Cry 2 was probably the best in the series, but Far Cry 3 and 4 were okay, but I reckon it was a big step from 4 to 5 in a, in a good way. Oh, absolutely. I think mm. they've um, set the standard for future games. I mean, looking for them bringing out another Far Cry. Um, as I said, you know, like I look at games like Far Cry and, you know, like Witcher, where it's a game where you just, you got to prepare yourself to, to devote some time and just push through that. It depends on how you think of it. I mean, I, I didn't think problem i just went oh cool i'm going to a new area or i'm oh there's a mission and what does that lead me to and what's the story behind that and that's how i look at the games you know i don't sort of try and i think wow's desensitized me to grind but uh yeah no i, I loved it i thought it was great and um yeah so to each their own how you, how you want to play it's how you want to play it um, guys you... um i'll just go through these last ones and yell at me if uh there's one that really sticks out for you but um uh, what do we got here? Ben Saunders is our good mate Gamma. Um, yep. foot, football manager 18. Um, Liam Sankey, Colonial Marines. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am, like, yeah, I think uh, I am a massive Aliens fan and, you know, guys like Liam and Kane just live and breathe that. And that, you, I mean, Aliens, again, a game or, or a property that's got heaps to do and heaps to 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 use and it just came out as a real floppy experience like there was no atmosphere where alien alien i mean i haven't played all the way through that but holy moly my my heart rate kicks up in that and that's how colonial range should have been it should have been doesn't matter whether you've got a pulse rifle or a smart gun in your hands you're still going shit where are these things coming from what are they going to do you know and it never captured that and that's why that game failed as hard as you know but alien isolation if they could make um, a game with Colonial Marines, uh, the same as Alien Isolation, with that, that that atmosphere, mate, that'd be a winner of a game. But there was a lot of lot of other things in that game that just failed. So yeah, uh, continuing on. <laughs> Rowan, Dead Rising Four. Um, Nathan, uh, as a hardcore Diablo fan, Diablo Three, and he says I like to pretend that Path of Exile is Diablo Three instead. Uh, yep. Go on. Yeah. Well, a lot of people say that. Like, I mean. Uh, Nathan, who we play with quite a bit, he um, he grinds that game a lot, and he, he does enjoy it. But he sort of goes, "Well, once you've done that, there's there's nothing to do." Whereas people I've seen playing Path of Exile, they've been really enjoying it, and it's there's always something to do, and it's it's engaging. So yeah, I, I definitely um, agree with Nathan there, because um, Diablo is a great story, great thing. But to me, I think they should it should it should end. I, I don't think they should continue on with it um it's i think it's had its day that's just my opinion or otherwise bring in a new property that um has the same sort of gameplay but a little bit more change it up a bit you know um so yeah and, uh, that's my opinion finally here from matthew tankard right at the top of the list and this is the one that when you ask this question it's generally top of mind for most people and i think a lot of it had to do with the fact that it was such a huge game in terms of what it promised Right, and that is No Man's Sky, which we mentioned a little bit earlier. Um, the the promise of a place where you'd be very lucky to come across anybody else playing the game at the same time in the same universe, um, and you'll never visit a world twice. Like that sort of that sort of promise, um, it felt like a real kick in the guts when you actually ended up getting the game. And realizing yeah. that it was literally just a, it was literally just an explorer, 
Like, you, you touch down, you have a look around, you get back up, you piss off to another planet. Like, it... And that gets really old really bloody quickly. Yeah. I mean, Chris and I were pumped to play. I mean, we're... We love, like... I mean, we... As a, we love the X-Wing versus TIE Fighter sort of series, all that, that flight sim stuff. And when this came out, we're like, oh, shit, this is going to be awesome. But, you know, you jump in and it's like... There was no system for me to go join group on Chris and let's go do it together. You know, there yeah, was, we, we had... We had so many sessions over bourbons and gaming that we're like, oh, you know, imagine if we hooked up with this and build a, yeah. you know, build a base, colonize this planet, colonize this system, etc. And then when we logged in, we're like, you know, uh, what's the guy, Sean Murray? That's it. Yeah. Like, you know, with so many billions of planets, it's unlikely you'll actually see your mate. And we're just like, well, that just took the wind right out of our out of our it- sails. <laughs> on that. Yeah, we were like, what? What's the point in fucking playing? Like, because like, yeah, I mean, the idea is. It- like initially you're like cool this is cool we're going to explore you go find things but if i can't play with my mate yeah. i'm going to get pretty bored i mean like don't get me wrong there's games out there that i love just playing by myself um but that sort of game especially for guys like chris and i you know like we have our gaming sessions we want to play co-ops and that was like the game that we thought fuck yeah we're going to get right into that but yeah it failed pretty hard and I mean, you'd probably be able to say a bit more on what what it is now, Chris, because I haven't really touched it since since it's yeah, released. Yeah, the much. um the foundation update to it actually for me redeemed the game. So I got over the fact that it's not a multiplayer, you know, basically not a multiplayer game. However, they did add um when they when they made the Atlas and Foundation updates, you can actually group up with your friend. So there is a method to get your friend in the same system and then yeah. work together. Not definitely not the same as what they sold all those years ago, but uh, for, as a game, I really enjoy. And my wife plays it a hell of a lot. Heather, she um, she's got you know almost a hundred hours or so, just just going from one planet to the next, looking for all the animals, building her base, and you know trying to build an Netix rover and that kind of thing. So they really did improve the game with the foundation update, but ultimately, you know, they um, burnt themselves at the start. Um. Now that that should just about wrap things when it comes to talking about <laughs> these particular sorts of games. Then there's the other side of the coin, and we're not going to get into this too much, guys, um, because this is a this is more of a chat that um, I mean. Also, the fact that we we've just about ticked over an hour. I think we're past an hour now, um, but um, uh, like this is uh, this is there's so much more to this chat, right? But. I'm going to ask you a question which um, the podcast is going to expand on next week. And it was a great question that was dropped by um, one of our Game on AUS community a little bit uh, earlier. Thanks, Dave. Dave's telling me on the Facebook stream it's an hour and 20. Jesus Christ. Um, Thanks, Dave. (laughs) And that is, right, if you could have your memory wiped... I only want one example. If you could have your memory wiped in terms of having played a game so you get to play it all over again, relive those amazing memories... From the very beginning, those great feelings of playing that particular game, what game would it be? Um, Chris, do you, you want to go first? You can only pick one. One? Yep. I, I would choose Ultimate Online. So Ultimate Online is a massively multiplayer online game. It came out in 1997. Um, it was the, it was revolutionary for the time. And as a, what was I, 1997, 16-year-old kid, Yeah. holy crap, like the... If you think of WoW now, but yeah. go back in 1997, man, the, 
the only games you played multiplayer were two mates sitting side by side using the same keyboard on PC this yep. is and to have to log into the game and, and stand there and play next to your mate or a group of mates and go and kill that skeleton together um, was just amazing like it was revolutionary mm. so and my mate Grant and I we still play Ultimate Online to this day like and especially around winter time because that's just nostalgic for us but um, if I if I could just sort of raise all the memories and start playing that game again I'd I'd be mind blown again yep Gabs. Um, for me, to be absolutely honest, I know it's not as far back as Chris, but Red Dead Redemption, the the the, the race, like the last one, before, yeah, that game just blew me away. Um, just what you could do, and and I mean, I grew up with cowboys and and all that sort of things through my dad, and just to be able to, you know, get into it, get on your horse, and off you go, shooting away at bad guys and doing what you did that was just for me that was an amazing experience um so yeah to live that again that'd be awesome the amount of hours i pumped into that sitting in front of me my game console and uh, off i went uh yeah that was awesome yeah yeah uh, both exceptional games i guess it's my turn yeah uh, go for it solitaire <laughs> yeah uh, fair enough what a first game Minesweeper or pinball? Yeah, Minesweeper. I still don't think anybody's figured out what the fuck to do with that game. But yeah. No, I, uh, I, um, I fire out. It's such a tough one because there are a fair few. But I guess for me, it's um, yeah. I I can't go past Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time. Yep. yep. I I can't. I mean, it for me, it was the quintessential. This is what a game should be. And it was yeah. the first time that I'd ever felt that particular, um, that particular thought <laughs> and those feelings. That that is exactly what a game should be. These are the yeah. feelings I should get when I play any game that I'm ever going to play for the rest of my life. Like that is yep. this is how I want to feel playing this game. Yep. Um, so yeah, I think I think because there have been many games since then that have done that as well, but. Considering that that was the first, and you never forget your first. That's right. Um, That's right. <laughs> yeah, that would have to be for me. So we're going to pop that up um, on the Game on AUS Facebook yep. page next week, ahead of awesome. next week's podcast, um, and uh, get ready for a few comments there. And I'm sure Dan's going to love having a good chat about that as well. But. I'll tell you what, far out, close to uh, an hour and a half, and I think that's going to have to do it for tonight and this week, guys. So, uh, yeah, we're going to have to wrap it up there. No worries. That's all right. Thanks heaps for that, Pete. Um, oh. Thanks, everyone, for jumping in and getting involved with us. Um, yeah. It's just bloody, bloody good to talk about bloody gaming. Isn't yeah. it just? What an absolute <laughs> should... pleasure. Um, we'll uh, look towards this. Um, my guests tonight have been Chris Infernox Inglis and Johnny Garbs Garvin from the Game on AUS community. Guys, uh, not just tonight, but also for last week, um, episode 75 as well. Thank you so much for, uh, for and at the last minute, virtually, jumping on to uh, cover Dan's big shoes to fill the last yeah. couple of weeks. Really appreciate it. And uh, a lot of good feedback from the community as well. It's been fantastic. Oh, that's, oh, that's good, good to, to hear. hear. Yeah, definitely good, good to hear. hear. Looking forward to having Dan back, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I hope he brought me back a set of Mickey Mouse ears. He's got, he went to the US. Um, for those of you listening that don't know, he went to the US. Uh, his, <laughs> his dad paid for his family's trip. It's insane. Oh, that's right? awesome. 
and they've gone to Disneyland and all that sort of stuff. And I said, if you bring me back anything, I want a set of Mickey Mouse ears. So, yep. with any luck, that's going to be the case. And knowing him, he'll bring me Minnie Mouse, the bastard. Um, <laughs> guys, uh, a few thanks, as we always do every week. Our tech sponsor, PLE Computers. Um, a big thanks to them. Nintendo Australia, PlayStation Australia, and uh, Xbox as well for jumping on board the last couple of weeks too. Um, also... A big shout out to EA. I know we bash them a little bit, but they're very supportive of what we do here as well. And um, we're working on Bethesda, so it looks like we may have Bethesda oh. across the line very soon, as well oh. as Ubisoft. So more details on that to come in the coming weeks. Um, as far as games are concerned, the big one this week, obviously, is God of War. And if you want to check out an amazing review, Nick Sticks Holland from the community, that is up at GameOnAUS.com, as well as my catch-up with Rob Davis from Santa yes. Monica Studios, lead level designer of Santa Monica Studios, absolute champion. There's a 20-minute special there, which you can find on the podcast. Oh, Gubs. Gubs just... Uh, I can't wait. I want to play now. Like, just There's nowhere to put it. It must be such a tease <laughs> that you actually got, you got that. You got... What else did you get? Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, yeah, two that I've... I mean, yeah. my friend James, is, he played this and he just loves it. And I love the idea of it. it you know, shooting bows and arrows at robots. I mean, pff, how cool is that? Um, yeah. But yeah, God of War. I mean, reading Nick's thing and seeing all you guys, I was just like, I just cannot wait to play this and throw that big axe around and call my kid boy. Boy. So, yeah. Come, Come here, here, boy. boy. <laughs> Come here, boy. Um... So, yeah, mate, it must be hell not having the PlayStation to put it in, but that's on its way, which is very good. Um, a big thanks to andrewhogue.com as well, Australia's biggest heavy metal online radio station who broadcast this great show every single week on that too. Make sure you get along and support that guy. It's absolutely phenomenal. And... Um, our latest update, Qantas International Domestic and Jetstar Domestic. And finally, a big thanks to Triple M for coming on board and having us as well across the network, which puts us up at as the biggest podcast in Australia, essentially. So, um, yeah, it's just a, awesome. a mammoth achievement. It's been almost two years uh, in the making, but it's an absolute mammoth achievement. Um, I don't really think uh, there's anything else to say. All I will say is, looking forward to catching up with you guys on the weekend when we have our game on yes. AWS God Mode night. Yep. Pump for that. Yep. Um, it's, um, yeah, it's going to be yeah. huge. Avengers Infinity War and uh, in the really nice reclining seats at Hoyts in Southlands and $14 yeah, yeah. a ticket for God Mode members instead of the $21 a ticket. So make sure you jump on to Game on AUS dash God Mode. That's the closed group, which you can go and check out on Facebook. Search for it, and we'll add you in. You'll even get yourself a nice big wow welcome, uh, which is yep. good too. Guys, as I mentioned, an absolute pleasure. Have a great week and a great weekend in gaming. And as we always say... Don't, don't forget, forget to, to save. save.